Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everyone. It is Friday, March 26th, 2021, a Friday in the latter weeks of the season of Lent as we prepare to celebrate Holy Week as a church and subsequently the great feast of Easter Sunday and the 50 days of Easter. It was on this day in 1776 that the colony of South Carolina declared its independence from Great Britain just a few months prior to the collective of 13 colonies declaring their independence in July of the same year. It was also on this day in 1978 that Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Begin signed the Camp David Accord during the presidency of Jimmy Carter in their efforts to end the hostility between the two nations of Egypt and Israel. It's an important day for American poets, believe it or not. It was on this day in 1874 that the poet Robert Frost was born in San Francisco, and on this day in 1892, the poet Walt Whitman passed away. But also in 1911, the playwright Thomas Lanier Williams, also known as Tennessee Williams, one of the great playwrights of the United States, was born in Columbus, Mississippi. I thought I'd talk about something a little more on the lighter side this week, being that we're going to be going into the days of Holy Week and the season of Easter. A lot's going to be going on in the Christian world and especially the activities of worship and celebration in the Catholic Church. And I've noticed different people have different ways in addition to the communal celebrations of worship. People have you know, different ways of observing and celebrating this special time of Holy Week. Many people I have often seen in recent years like to return to the viewing of the movie The Passion of the Christ, directed by Mel Gibson, which came out about 20 years ago. I have to admit I've never seen that film, and I'm not planning on it. I've never been a big fan of the excessiveness of movie violence, and I don't know that I need to see that kind of violence in order to be inspired by something like the crucifixion. But even then, I have to admit, I'm not a big fan of movies about Jesus. I've never cared for how Jesus is portrayed, almost like a, a, a sleepwalking, almost zombie portrayal of Jesus, in which it seems the movie makers just seem to want to mark time or mark off a list of events and teachings leading up to the crucifixion. I have to admire the all-star cast of many of these films and the efforts that many put into putting together these films and participating in them. But films like The Greatest Story Ever Told with Max von Sydow as Jesus, I like to say, is anything but, uh, because much of the lines or teachings are taken completely out of context, taking out the lead-in and the aftermath, whether it be actions or or teachings or words of Jesus that really put some of his more famous teachings in proper context. Uh, the film The King of Kings with Jeffrey Hunter from the 1950s almost seems like they, they really didn't do too much of their homework. It just seems more like a corny portrayal of Jesus, even right down to when he is crucified and the sign they put on the cross is not, this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, but rather it's the I-N-R-I that you see on many crucifixes on the wall just the symbolic representation of what was written, I-N-R-I. And even 
the very popular Jesus of Nazareth, the Franco Zeffirelli miniseries from the 1970s. Again, all-star cast, a real effort was put to produce and present something epic, but much of the scriptural aspects of it just seems clumsily put together, where an important passage or line might be said, but again, taken out of context, and in many ways, the meaning, which could have very effectively been conveyed by the movie makers or or the TV production uh, makers, is lost. Not to say that these are not good films to watch during Holy Week. I just am never uh, much of a fan. My favorite film, actually, with Jesus, has Jesus not so much as a main character, but in the background. And the movie is about the effect that Jesus has on the main character. And I'm going to talk about that a little later in this podcast. But for many people, they like to return to Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ because it is very much a, a very graphic, detailed arduous portrayal of the crucifixion of Jesus and works very hard to try and present a realistic portrayal of crucifixion and the scourging and what it must have been like for Jesus. But it's interesting how people would often watch that film on Good Friday. Sometimes after going to church for the liturgical celebrations, the receiving of communion, the veneration of the cross, celebrating the liturgy of the Lord's Passion, they will go home and in the evening will often watch The Passion of the Christ. And interestingly enough, there I would say it's not really appropriate to see that particular film on Good Friday. And it may be surprising to hear me say that because the day for The Passion of the Christ, the day in which we remember the passion and the suffering of Jesus, is actually not Good Friday. Believe it or not, it's Palm Sunday, also known as Passion Sunday. And over a three-year cycle, we hear The Passions according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This year, we're going to hear the Passion of Mark. But every year, every year on Good Friday, we hear the Passion according to John, in which John does not really present Jesus' suffering, but rather for John, in his gospel, the crucifixion is a glorification of Jesus. And it's portrayed in a very different fashion than the other three gospels, which accentuate the suffering the sacrifice of the crucifixion. And so something to keep in mind, if that's what you're thinking of doing to observe a Holy Week, uh, perhaps watching the Passion of the Christ, not on Good Friday, but on Passion Sunday, a day in which we remember the Passion, whereas on Good Friday, we call it good because it is much more than just simply the death and resurrection. It is a day of glory in which the Passion of John presents Jesus as triumphant on the cross, even as he is dying from execution by crucifixion. But in addition to The Passion of the Christ or other of your favorite movies, I remember growing up, a favorite movie that was always played around Easter time, if not on Easter Sunday, was The Wizard of Oz. Another was Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, which played sometimes on Palm Sunday, sometimes on Easter Sunday. And these were films that would come up on network television, and people would look forward to seeing them as part of this time of Easter. Even if one of them, The Wizard of Oz, really has nothing to do with what we're celebrating on Easter, this was the time in which that film would be aired. But I would like to make a suggestion of other films that in many ways involve what we are celebrating at Easter, including the historical context in which the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus took place. These are three films from the late 1950s and early 1960s that are set during ancient Rome. 
And I like to refer to these films as the Freedom Trilogy. Now, they're different movies. They were made independently of each other by different directors, different production companies. But all of them deal with the concept of freedom from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And these three films are Spartacus, Cleopatra, and Ben-Hur. Spartacus, which came out in 1960, released by Universal Pictures, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Kirk Douglas, Laurence Olivier, Peter Ustinov, Gene Simmons, among others. Cleopatra, released by 20th Century Fox and directed, written and directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, one of the great screenwriters and directors of that period in Hollywood, and starring, of course, Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra, Rex Harrison as Julius Caesar, and Richard Burton as Mark Antony. And finally, Ben-Hur, released in 1959 by MGM, directed by William Wyler and starring Charlton Heston. All three are tremendous epic films set in the period of the Roman Empire, and all of them have to do with the struggle against Roman oppression. Spartacus, of course, is a story about the slave revolt of gladiators. And that film ends tragically with the crucifixion of Spartacus, the crucifixion of all the surviving slaves after that last battle, and the defeat of the rebellion. Cleopatra is about the nobility and the ruling class seeking to overcome the oppression of Rome or seeking to dominate Rome. Julius Caesar, in his efforts to be the master of Rome, and after his death, the affair and efforts by Cleopatra and Mark Antony to dominate Rome and be independent of Rome as rulers in their own right. And of course, in both cases, it ends tragically with the assassination of Julius Caesar and the subsequent suicide of Cleopatra and Mark Antony when Augustus Caesar conquers Egypt. Ben-Hur is about a middle class or working class man. He's not poor, but he's not of the ruling class. He's considered a prince, but he is a wealthy merchant who is terribly wronged by the Roman Empire, and he too seeks to overthrow at least the occupation of the Roman Empire in his homeland of Judea. But then, unlike the other two films, by the end of the film, it ends more triumphantly as he comes to a new understanding of what it means to be free, and it has a lot to do with the presence, the preaching, the ministry, and ultimately the crucifixion of Jesus. And so in many ways, each film flows one to another. And in addition to that, the first two films, Spartacus and Cleopatra, while made independently of each other, they have different directors, the music is done by the same composer, Alex North. So musically, Cleopatra is very much a sequel to Spartacus. Miklos Rosa is the composer of Ben-Hur, and appropriately so, as while it is also about the oppression of Rome and efforts to overcome that and be free of it, takes the understanding of freedom and what it means to be free in a different direction at the very end and in a much more triumphant way than the first two films did. The first film ends with a crucifixion, and the third film ends with a crucifixion, respectively the crucifixion of Spartacus and the crucifixion of Jesus. 
And each film flows into the other. Spartacus ends with Julius Caesar beginning his rise to power. He's a character in the film, but as the film is coming to an end, there's definitely a hint that Julius Caesar's influence and power is now beginning to rise in the Roman Empire. And Cleopatra begins after the Battle of Pharsalus, in which Caesar has defeated Pompey and now stands at the head of Rome, the most powerful figure in the Roman Empire. The film Cleopatra ends, of course, with the death of Antony and Cleopatra, but also with the rise of Augustus Caesar, now the first emperor of Rome, and him coming to mastery of Rome. And that's how Cleopatra ends. Ben-Hur begins with a reference to Augustus Caesar and his decree for a census in which all people in Judea would return to the place of their family's origin to be counted and taxed. So, Spartacus in many ways flows into Cleopatra, which picks up shortly after Spartacus leaves off. And the same is with Ben-Hur with regard to the film Cleopatra. But for me, with regard to Ben-Hur, as my favorite film about Jesus, is Jesus is not the main character. Judah Ben-Hur is the main character. But Jesus is in the background. He makes appearances at key moments We never see his face. We never even hear his voice. Yet his presence is lingering, especially toward the end of the film. And that has the impact on the main character. So this is a movie about Christ. In fact, the novel and movie Ben-Hur is subtitled A Tale of the Christ. But it's not about Jesus outright, but about the effect that he has on the main character who encounters him during his ministry and ultimately bears witness to his death on the cross. But Jesus is in the background, which I think is the most relatable for us as viewers, because we, yes, we have our encounter with Christ in his word, in the Eucharist, in the sacraments. But in terms of face-to-face encounters like the apostles had in the scriptures when Jesus was on earth, and as the character Ben-Hur has In the movie, we don't have that kind of face-to-face encounter. Jesus is in the background. He's lingering in our faith. He's lingering in our worship. He's the focus of our worship. And I think in that film, Ben-Hur, it is the most relatable story of someone who has an encounter with Jesus while Jesus is on earth. All of these films are long. They are marathon films. They are epic films. They are, all three of them, over three hours long. Ben-Hur is three and a half hours long. Cleopatra, with the extra scenes, a version that has been released and on Turner Classic Movies is often the version that is shown. Cleopatra is four hours and 15 minutes. All of them have parts one and parts two with intermissions, and they're all meant to be seen in installments. Perhaps you know one evening watching the first half of Spartacus, the next evening watching the second. Then the following evening, the first half of Cleopatra, and then the second half, the following evening. And then the next two evenings, the first half of Ben-Hur, and the last part, the second half of Ben-Hur. But all of them deal with the idea of freedom, and in particular, freedom from oppression, and in this case, the oppression of the Roman Empire. And while we as people of faith struggle for justice and struggle to end oppression, and we have setbacks and sometimes might appear to be failures, the portrayal of all three of these films show 
examples of that struggle from various walks of life. Spartacus from the standpoint of the slaves and the gladiators against their masters in the Roman society. Cleopatra, the nobility and ruling class seeking to overcome the dominance of Rome or to master Rome outright. And in the merchant class in Ben-Hur, in a man terribly wronged by the forces of Rome occupying his homeland and what that occupation does to him and his family. And in all three cases, looking to overthrow the dominance of Rome and how the first two end tragically, the last one ends triumphantly, even though Rome is still a dominant force. It gives a new perspective of freedom, but in this case, freedom in Christ, a freedom that goes from there to the history of the early church in which the church was persecuted by Rome, in which the early church had to ask those questions. We are liberated. We are free of sin. Jesus is the Messiah. We are redeemed, and yet we are being oppressed and executed. The church had to grapple with that reality because they certainly couldn't say we weren't free in Christ, but they had to reconcile that with the experience of persecution and oppression by the Roman Empire, specifically against Christian people. We remember the early Christians as they suffered and did not have the benefit of historical hindsight. This was a new faith, just developing, just growing, just spreading, and the central components of that faith are perhaps being challenged by the very reality and human experience of suffering and persecution, and imagine the heroism of those early martyrs, of this new, young faith in Christ, going to their deaths, not knowing what the future held for this faith and for the church. Why? Because they had a deep understanding of what freedom meant in the context of their faith, even as they are being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And this is how the film Ben-Hur ends. Now, we continue to struggle for peace and justice, for an end to oppression, freedom of religion, freedom of thought, and especially freedom that our faith calls us to live. And while we struggle for a political freedom, and we have our successes and we have our setbacks, we as a people of faith always hold on to that consistent freedom that we hold in Christ so that we are not people of despair. We are not people without hope when we see setbacks too that struggle against oppression, that struggle against prejudice, and that struggle against people who resent us because of the values we profess, the standards that we live, and the faith that we declare in Jesus Christ. And so as you're preparing to observe this Holy Week, that's just a suggestion I give to all of you out there. If you enjoy the movies like I do, and I hope to have other podcasts in which I just simply talk about certain movies I like and why I like them, maybe you might consider watching these three films, which I like to refer to as the Freedom Trilogy. Spartacus, Cleopatra, and Ben-Hur. And just focus on the issue of freedom as you're watching these films. And you might see it leads you to a reflection on what it means for us to be free as people of faith, even as we struggle against oppression. So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Holy Week. Hope to bring something to you again next week, which will be Good Friday. But until then, glad you joined me for the day. And with any luck, I'll be with you again soon.